More discouraging news on the culture war front as federal activist judges and the Biden administration continue to say that the transgender class should be the most protected in America. Plus, Paul Runyon's pissed off about a lot of things. We'll get to that coming up next. Join us on another edition of The Midnight Ride. It's Monday, August 22nd, 2022, just 77 days until this most critical midterm election. You are at your home for misinformation, disinformation, also known as The Truth, The Midnight Ride Podcast. I'm Connor Coughlin, joined by my good friend, Paul Runyon. Paul, what's up this week? You know, crazy week. I'm, I'm wearing a mask again. Can you believe it? Uh, no, I can't, actually. <laughs> well, I don't I mean, monkeypox is on the march. <laughs> and I don't, I mean, I, I, there was this CDC study that came out saying that masking can reduce the spread of monkeypox. And I'm like, is this happening again? I was like, what? first of all, last I checked, I thought there's a lot of studies saying monkeypox is transmitted via sexual contact. So I don't know where the mask comes. Maybe I'm wearing my mask in the wrong place. Is that possible? Does it need to be worn <laughs> on another part of my body? I think it might. It's, it's, it's funny, you know, the elephant in the room with, with monkeypox and, of course, the leftist-controlled CDC up until very recently, maybe this week, was not willing to tell the truth about this particular virus. But, uh, I thought, you know, the mask thing, because I this week I had a, a trip. I actually went up to Wyoming for some business, and uh, there were people wearing masks on the plane. Was it for monkeypox? It, it could have been. It could have been, because obviously <laughs> there's no more airport regulations. The airlines don't make you do it. But there were some people on the plane, and of all places. I mean, you know, in the American West, you don't, you usually don't see that. But they've done a good job essentially brainwashing people about this. And I think they're trying to do it again with monkeypox. Well, it says on the, the, the CDC is now saying that persons living in or visiting the home of someone with monkeypox should follow appropriate precautions against indirect exposure and transmission by wearing a well-fitting mask. And they don't say where the mask should be worn. My other question is, is there a difference between an N95 and a regular surgical mask wearing it in that part of your body? I don't know if that, <laughs> does that make a difference? I'm not sure. Well, you definitely want to cover up your mouth, okay? And there's also other parts that you probably, that also could be at risk in one of those situations. Um, I don't know if it's a mask or if it's a, you know, chastity belt type of thing, but you, you definitely want to protect yourself because, you know, there's a few thousand people in the U.S. that have this. I know. It's out there. It's <laughs> out there. And, you know, do your, I guess, practice. Uh, I don't know if it's possible to practice social distancing in the bedroom, but um, I guess you got you to gotta do your best with it. But what's even crazier about this monkeypox thing is that the World Health Organization, once again, a great beacon of, of accurate medical information, is going to start calling monkeypox Clade, C-L-A-D-E, uh, is apparently going to be the new name because of 
stigmatization by the original name. And I'm not sure what stigmatization they're talking about. Is that for people that identify as monkeys? Is that a- I mean, perhaps you're you're saying that essentially, you know, gay men are are as as have about as much self-control as monkeys. I mean, that could be one reason why people are saying, no, we don't we don't want to be considered that way. Well, nor should they. And on the midnight ride, we're not saying that at all. I mean, everybody no. is how, how they are, but I don't, I don't, it almost seems like the World Health Organization perpetuates the stigma by bringing attention to it. I mean, the stigma, for all we know, could be about monkeys themselves. I mean, is that, I mean, I look at last week in Brazil, apparently, the, there were reports that some, that monkeys had been stoned, beaten, poisoned, and killed in Brazil. And could that be part of the reason that they want to rename this? It's, I mean, there's the, the WHO spokesperson explained that the disease was originally called monkeypox because it was discovered among a group of monkeys originally in the 1950s. Mm. And that's the only reason it got its name. So they're trying to, they're trying to implore people not to attack any animals. And that's, I mean, so maybe that's part of the name. I just, I didn't know that monkeys are now becoming a protected class also, but. Well, we're going to talk about the, the most protected class in America later on in the show, but as it pertains to monkeypox, it's, it's the public health sector continues to fail America and the LGBTQ plus, you know, they are the most protected class in America as this thing was starting to, for lack of a better term, explode in the U S there were all sorts of you know, fetish festivals and places like San Francisco and others where, you know, there were like gay sex orgies happening and they knew about this. And in advance, you know, they said, hey, this monkeypox thing is is happening. Should we discourage people from, should we cancel these festivals? And they, you know, basically the CDC and the, the California and San Francisco public health people were like, oh no, it's fine. Can you imagine if there was a, another, well, I mean, we don't need to imagine, remember 2020, right? I mean, you couldn't take your kid to the playground because of COVID-19, which I don't know if people are dying of monkeypox, but I mean, very mild for, for younger people, certainly. So it's almost like there's a double standard, Paul. Well, it's, it's a, it's like they're making medical rules based on political correctness, which makes no sense. I mean, the goal should be to protect the people that are most at risk at monkeypox of monkeypox, and it looks like in this current outbreak, the most at-risk group are gay men because of the way it spreads. That is not to stigmatize anybody. That is to protect gay men so that they understand that their risk of getting monkeypox. And it almost seems like the WHO and the CDC are trying to hide that for some fear of stigmatization. And all that's going to do is make the spread of monkeypox worse in that population. And we don't want anybody getting monkeypox, gay, straight, anybody. The goal is to protect them. And if you're not honest, you're not going to protect them. That's an issue. And the, these health organizations are doing the LGBT community a big disservice by essentially hiding uh, the spread vector right now. Yeah. And despite, you know, the, the proclamations of one Dr. Anthony Fauci, uh, who says, you know, I am truth, I am science. The CDC and, and the National Institutes for Health and all of these folks have really, throughout the last couple of years, 
have shown that truth is not something they're really good at. No, it's all about um, political correctness. Yep. And it's almost like that wokeism mind virus has infected them as well. One guy, well, so the, we're talking about me being pissed off. I was pissed off about this monkeypox thing. Yeah, let me, let me just, before you go, to, I just want to say the wokeism mind virus has infiltrated, as you say, medicine, not just the public health sector, but our doctors. And that might be a topic for a future show, but we now have certain orthodoxies and certain, you know, wrong think and right think as it pertains to some of these issues involving, for example, and we'll touch on it later in the show, quote unquote, gender affirming care for children. There are many other things in medicine that are considered not right for people to think. And it's, it's scary, Paul, that what we, we may not be able to trust our doctors soon because, you know, they're being educated at universities where they're being essentially indoctrinated politically, and it's seeping into their practice. Well, one doctor that I think we can trust is Dr. Oz. I've, I, the guy's... <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> look, I watched his show. I mean, I, you know, I know a lot of people that did. I mean, the guy, he, he had some great things. He, you know, it's a shame that he's such a bad candidate because I did... I mean, the guy that he's running against... I mean, this is another thing I want to talk about. The guy that Dr. Oz is running against has got to be one of the scariest people to be potentially running for Senate, you know, since Elizabeth Warren, the uh, East German concentration camp guard. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy, first of all, I, you know, I, I, we were going to talk about a bunch of other things today. And then I, this morning I started reading about this guy Fetterman and I was like, oh my God, this guy is scary. And and I got to just get it off my chest. I mean, first of all, let's figure this out. The guy's never had a real job, okay? He went to college. There's a lot of those in politics. Well, he's almost like a combination. He, he's sort of like the worst of Elizabeth Warren and John Ossoff, like combined into one person. <laughs> and, and so, I know. So he, he's, he never had a real job. He, his parents own a successful insurance agency. So he, he kind of grew up somewhat, you know, in a wealthy, wealthy industry. He never really did anything. He went to college. He joined AmeriCorps, which was like a favorite of the communists. You know, it's like this government-funded thing where they tried to bring back the New Deal. Um, it never really went anywhere. Complete disaster of an organization. And went to do, went to, into his parents' insurance business, and then decided to run for the mayor of Braddock, Pennsylvania, where he was elected. And for the 14 years that he was elect that he was the mayor of Braddock, Pennsylvania, he was paid a $54,000 salary by his parents to essentially do nothing. Um, his sister then bought him a condo or a loft in Braddock. By the way, for those that, I mean, we do have a lot of listeners in Pennsylvania, Hershey, Philadelphia, other places. Braddock is a suburb of Pittsburgh. Yeah, suburb of Pittsburgh. Okay. So he, his his sister then bought him a loft in Braddock, or, or she bought a, a loft in Braddock and then gift, gifted it to him for a dollar after that. 
And I don't know if you've ever seen this guy. He's huge. He's six foot eight. He's got tattoos all over his body. And he's got, the, he's this mission where he's trying to act like this everyman, you know? He's got the goatee. He goes and have beers with people with, you know, he's never been a worker. He's never done anything. But he looks the part. He looks the part. He's kind of this fake thing. And it goes to this progressive. I mean, you look at a lot of these progressives like AOC and others. First of all, progressives are atheists, right? So we've talked about this over and over on shows. They're looking for these like false gods, something to latch on to. I think this guy Fetterman mm -hmm. is like never done anything within his, in his life. He's finding a way. He needs a way to be liked. Yeah. Right. He needs a way to sort of like, what is my purpose? And it's like, if I can tell the working class everything they want to hear, everyone's going to like me. I can put these tattoos on, you know, he's, he's like a fake person. It's like, it's like a, it's almost like he's a, he's a caricature of a, of a person. And you know, that kind of thing. It seems like most progressives are like that. Yeah. I mean, look, look at AOC, the bartender, you know, I mean, she's so, yeah, I think your description of Fetterman is pretty good. Um, there's also this small little matter of the fact that he had a stroke during this election cycle, and now it appears like he's got brain damage. I mean, did you see this past week he was out speaking and it was kind of a mess? Oh, yeah, completely. He couldn't, I mean, I don't want to get on anybody's like medical issues, but I would think that you do need to have some sort of, you know, if you want somebody as senator, you would expect them to be healthy. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, sentient. Yeah, at least sentient. I mean, but I guess that's in now. I mean, after you look at Biden, I mean, maybe that's like the thing. That's that's like the trend. That's like, let's let's just get non-sentient individuals as politicians, as, as a representative. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. It's all about winning, right? And so this guy, in many ways, in many respects, is the perfect candidate for the Democrats in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, a very diverse state. You need to carry... Philadelphia, obviously, as a Democrat, or else, you know, you have no chance. But the Democrats rally together. I mean, the, the Democrats in the state would, you know, if the Dallas Cowboys changed their uniforms to blue, they'd probably root for them on Sunday against the Eagles. They are, they are very much pro-Democratic Party, so they'll vote for anybody. But it's these Western part of the state, right, that is so deeply behind Donald Trump. I, I was driving through there one time. I, I, I had I had dinner, and, and Paul, this is this is a restaurant that Mrs. Runyon might like, but there's a restaurant there called John Bonet's out in in uh, Bedford Springs, Pennsylvania, or just on the outskirts, where during the Whiskey Rebellion, some of Washington's troops were quartered there at this this inn. It's and it's a it's I think it's a five-star restaurant. It might be four. I don't know if it meets your standards. But I was in that restaurant. Well, it's, does it have a does it have Michelin stars? That's the real question for me. Oh, I, I don't know. But you gotta, you'd like this place. And I went in there, and there were people in there. This was post-election. This was post-inauguration for Joe Biden. And there were people in there saying, Trump is still our president. He's coming back soon. Western Pennsylvania and the rural parts of it, you know, it's a, it's a very large state. It's the Keystone. It's very diverse. But the Western part of the state is very red. Fetterman sort of co-opts that a little bit. And on top of all of this, Donald Trump has selected possibly the worst candidate that you could have. 
to, to go against Fetterman in this Dr. Oz who doesn't even live in Pennsylvania. And, you know, whereas Fetterman, even though he's, you know, he's a rich, he's a little rich baby, Oz looks completely out of touch with your average working class voter. Uh, I think he was, you know, trying to show himself in the grocery store the other day, and he looked like he had never been in one before. Well, he also owns 10 houses and couldn't even remember the number of number of houses that he owned. I don't know why the guy, does, why doesn't Dr. Oz just shave his head and tattoo it? You know, maybe that's his thing. He just doesn't have enough tattoos. With a name like Oz, you could you could come up with something there. But, you know, Donald Trump, let, I don't want to make this about Donald Trump, but he's the guy that, that picked Oz. And Oz won a very close primary. And there were a couple pretty decent candidates. Well, I remember, you know, I was listening to the great one, Mark Levin, a few months back. And I, right on the heels of that, right before the Pennsylvania primary. Mm-hmm. And he endorsed the closest competitor to Oz. And I remember Levin warning everybody about Oz, saying this guy is not a good, not going to be a good candidate. He's does he's not ready for it. He does he's doesn't relate to Pennsylvanians. And I remember thinking to myself, well, yeah, but he's Dr. Oz. Everybody knows who he is. He's famous. Levin was right. And, you know, look at what's happening now. I mean, there was a recent, I mean, he's down about nine points. But, but you know, we were talking about Fetterman with, you know, I, I compare, I did the Ossoff comparison in the fact that he's never done anything with his life and living off his parents. I don't know if he was living in their basement or not, but uh, before his sister bought him the apartment. But the, you know, I think that's what Ossoff <laughs> was like on a couch or something. But look, now the for the Elizabeth Warren side of Fetterman, which makes it even scarier, according to his economic plan, he wants to prosecute executives of huge corporations for immoral price gouging. So, so we're looking right there. That's that's a price controls. B that sounds a little Maoist cultural revolution, trying to like send corporate executives to jail. Well, it does, but for, for the prices that they charge, which are based on on supply and demand. It does, Paul, but you know, this is he's saying what he needs to say to get elected. I mean, look at what just happened with this this tax and spend, you know, Green New Deal bill they just did. I mean, they cut their deals with the big, you know, brokerage houses and big business and and they're going to, you know, go after us. I mean, this is all this is all just a charade, but you know, David McCormick would have been a stronger candidate. You also had remember you had Kathy Barnett in there and I think you know, the Democrats looked at both of those as very, very viable. And as they have been doing all year, they, you know, attacked those candidates and helped get a weaker candidate in. I, I want to say one thing about Donald Trump. I, I know you cut me off there. We, we don't like talking about him too much on the Midnight Raid. I know. I don't, I'm done talking about him unless it was about the raid. I, we got a lot going on in this country and it's literally, I can't see anything. All I'm watching on TV is Donald Trump. It's like all there's, it's, it's insane. But anyway, say your piece, say your piece. You know how, I'm going to use a sports analogy here, okay? You know how you have some athletes who are just phenomenal on the field or on the court, and this is really more of a basketball analogy, where somebody is just a super, you know, talented savant, and I'm, you could, maybe, maybe I'm talking about Le- LeBron James, maybe I'm talking about Kobe Bryant, and they're great, and they're winners, but when you give them control of a team, 
they're horrible at picking talent to go around them. And, and you, you know, you look at what's happening with the Lakers right now that LeBron has destroyed them with, with him trying to manage that. That's Donald Trump. Trump, great, you know, very good president, one of the best we've had in recent memory. But he cannot, if Donald Trump were to run again and win. Are you saying, are, oh, wait, are you saying John Bolton was a bad pick? in his administration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, look at some of these candidates. So if he, if, if Donald Trump runs for president and wins, he's going to inherit a democratic Senate. And he's going to do that because of his own actions, his actions in Georgia after he lost cost the Republicans at least one, possibly two Senate seats, which gave us all of this horrible legislation that we've seen rammed through with a 51 to 50 no Republican votes. And and now we've got this joke of a candidate in, in Dr. Oz. And as recently as July 20th, Fetterman had a slight lead over Oz, about 4%, okay? That is now at 11.5%. The Cook Political Report had it as a toss-up. Now they have it as leaning Democrat. If Donald Trump had stayed out of this, I don't think Dr. Oz wins that primary, and we probably see Fetterman losing right now. That's my opinion. So this could be the second Senate race in a row where Trump's responsible for losing the Senate after what he did in Georgia. That's right. In those special elections. I mean, it really is a disaster. Because here's an example. Here's something else about Fetterman you might not know. Uh, in 2013, when he was mayor of Braddock, he used his shotgun to stop an unarmed black jogger and detain him, telling the police he had heard shots fired near his home and spotted the man running, according to the police report. Fetterman continued to yell and state he knew the male was shooting, the police report says. Uh, two other people said they had heard several shots as well, but an officer who patted down the man found no weapons. And the officer noted that that Mr. that this guy was wearing clothes and headphones and he was released. It turned out that this guy had nothing to do with the shooting. The shooting happened somewhere else. And Fetterman literally held him there with a shotgun until the police came. So he did that to he intimidated an innocent black man. And in an interview afterwards, he said, I believe I did the right thing, but I may have broken the law during the course of it. Well, why was the guy running? Why was he running from the 6'8 guy with a shotgun? I, I don't understand. I know. Why would you be? Why would you run from a 6'8 guy with a shotgun? I would be, I mean, I'd be running from a 6'8 guy with a shotgun. And he, of course, escaped any investigation, no charges or consequences. Obviously, if he had had a R after his name in, instead of a D, he'd probably be spending the rest of his life in prison, having his house raided, being obviously having protests outside of his house. And he certainly would not be a candidate for the United States Senate. Well, yeah, exactly. He wouldn't be a candidate for the for the Senate. But what's worse about this is Dr. Oz is such a bad candidate. He's not even talking about this. It's like they're not. I mean, you could be right at the begin the beginning of the campaign. They should be running uh, running ads about this incident. And and they're not. Oh, and, and I mean, if you, it, some of the ads that that Oz has run, uh, or or the PACs supporting Oz. I mean, they're so bad, you almost have to say they're intentionally bad. I mean, again, like Donald Trump, 
Oz is a lifelong Democrat, right? He only came over recently. He's very progressive on a lot of social issues. Is the fix in here? Because, I mean, he's not doing what, as you say, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, you know, ammunition that he could use. And instead he's just going down. I mean, his, his campaign at this point, Paul, looks like the Titanic. Completely. I mean, he's, he's imploding. I mean, the one uh, place that I think he has a chance, you know, if he wants to salvage this campaign is that if they're going to do debates in the fall, and there's supposed to be a few debates. Obviously, this guy Fetterman is a complete idiot lightweight who's never done anything. Well, he and he may have a hard time thinking on his feet for debates. Well, exactly. He may have a hard time thinking on his feet. So, I mean, if Oz can debate and like hit him on real issues and say, you know, you, you've never done anything with your life. You lived off your parents. You, you know, stereotype black men by chasing them with shotguns. You, I mean, there's... a so much material to use on this guy. Yeah. And Oz has this opportunity. Now, the question for Fetterman, is he going to refuse to debate and just try to sit on his lead? Because that could hurt him. But, you know, I don't know. It's an uphill battle for Oz here. So, you know, that was, so I had these two issues. I know we had a nice little show, but sometimes I like to, to, to do some impromptu discussion because I had, you know, the, the monkey pox thing and the, the Fetterman thing were really bothering me. No, and and these are big things, right? I mean, these are we we discuss uh, not just constitutional issues, but you know, current events. And the Fetterman thing is a real thing. I, I would say for our listeners in Pennsylvania, the Midnight Ride does endorse Doctor Oz. Sadly, we we do want Doctor Oz to win. And so, you know, as Toby Keith, you know, said in in uh, the song "Happy Birthday, America." The lesser of two evils sometimes is all we get to choose. And in this case, that is Dr. Oz. Paul just told you who John Fetterman is. He's also not any longer a sentient person that you would you would want, for example, on the uh, House uh, the Senate Armed Services Committee or or any committee for that matter. So uh, we endorse Dr. Oz. And listen, I mean, he's down about 11 right now. That could change. But um for all of our folks up in PA or people who don't live in PA, like Dr. Oz, uh, maybe you can move there and and vote for for Dr. Oz and get uh, Fetterman out. Uh, when we come back, we've got something we really want to talk about, which is the Biden administration and activist judges essentially saying you cannot say or do anything to transgender people or we will destroy you. That coming up on The Midnight Ride. Hey, so Connor, who would you rather be dancing with, uh, John Fetterman or the Prime Minister of Finland? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I'm a little bit older. You know, I'm a little bit old school American. I'll take the hot chick over the guy. But, you know, America is shifting. Maybe she can run. I mean, maybe she can run against Dr. Oz. <laughs> I think she's lived in Pennsylvania about as much as Dr. Oz. So, yeah, yeah why not? I'd vote I for I know, her. why not? I mean, somehow I don't think she might be a little too hot for the trans community, but <laughs> which I know is what we're going to discuss. But, uh, you know, maybe she's not Rachel Levine. She is not careful. You know, we're, we're already after our comments about the IRS and the FBI, we're already skating on very thin ice. The one thing you cannot do in America is criticize the transgender community. You know, we've got this victim hierarchy 
in America, victimhood is is cachet now. Uh, every everybody wants to be a victim. You and I are at the bottom of the pyramid. Okay, we cannot claim victim status at all. Then comes you know white women, and we're going to talk about feminism in a, in a minute. And then it goes through all of the, the prime minister of Finland would be included in that group. Yes. Then you've got then you've got Asians. Then you've got as Democrats like to call them black and brown people, people of color. And then we start getting into the different layers of LGBTQ. As Martina Navratilova found out, you know, gay and lesbian, you know, they're they're pretty high, but they're not as high as trans. It is the one group that you cannot criticize, that you you cannot question what's going on in our country with the social contagion, with doctors butchering kids, none of it. And we got some news this week, Paul, that that is very troubling for parents, and it just shows how much power this group has. Well, it is. And if if anybody wants to be protected from anything and never be criticized, just become trans. I mean, if you want to change how you identify the next day, so that you can do whatever you want. It's like this perfect long-term get out of jail free card. Just decide the next day that you're trans and you're good to go. So, I mean, that's exactly what, what Biden- And actually, and we've talked about this. I mean, we can, if you are a business owner as a male and you wanna be eligible for set-asides for women-owned businesses, just say, I identify as a woman. I mean, nothing means anything anymore and, you know, these godless communists on the left, uh, they don't, I, I almost feel like there's an agenda afoot to tear down, I, and I'm not, I don't almost feel like there is an agenda afoot to tear down all of our institutions. But the strongest and most important one is the family. And if you tear down traditional gender roles for men and women, uh, you know, that's the last brick in the wall. This, I think this is the most important issue in America. Well, it is because it's negatively impacting our society in so many ways. Now, if somebody, I'm a big fan of individual liberty. So if somebody like wants to be trans and do whatever they want, that's great. You know, individual expression, no problem with that whatsoever. However, to be treating it as a, you know, disability, which is what this new uh, Title IX regulation that the Biden administration is doing and having the be protected under the Amer Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA, um, is really, I think, making a mockery of the entire thing. Being trans in most cases is a mental health issue. It's not a condition, let's say, or like a, a medical condition where you need to have surgery to, to change your sex. And this is the ultimate in victimization and, and creating a victimhood class. I mean, it's really scary. I mean, what they've done now is sensibly drafted rules that protect gay and transgender students from bullying and harassment, which is what they've said to do, but it really doesn't do that at all. Um, it's essentially giving teachers a weapon to subvert parental prerogatives as stated in our paper of record. Yeah, so you just touched on it. So the Americans with Disability Act, we also saw them try to, and I guess they have included transgender folks in Title IX legislation, but touch on, on the, uh, what, what happened with the Disabilities Act, and, and I think you're about to go to, to a post story. Yeah, so it's, um, essentially, there's a couple things. So there was a court 
that ruled recently that said that transgender people are entitled to Disabilities Act protections. So uh, it was the Fourth Circuit that ruled this. Essentially, there was a court uh, that had said that they are protected. It was, uh, or that they were not protected. The Fourth Circuit overturned it, essentially saying that there is not uh, an exclusion for gender dysphoria from coverage under the Americans with Disabilities Act. So, of course, gender dysphoria is a very hard thing to prove. I mean, nobody can really say, you know, if you say you have gender dysphoria, then essentially, like, you know, what's somebody going to say? No, you don't. I mean, it's like anything, right? I mean, there's no way to really prove it. There's no, like, blood test or something else. Oh, you've tested positive for gender dysphoria. I mean, that doesn't necessarily exist. But yet, they're now saying that it's going to be protected under the Americans with Disabilities Act, which is going to ensure that anybody that says that they suffer from gender dysphoria is now going to be, it's now going to be required that they are given reasonable accommodation. So that could be special bathrooms they have to use. Uh, in the case of prison, this actually came from a uh, somebody that was incarcerated. You know, they you know, if you have gender dysphoria, then you have a right to be housed with members of the opposite sex, which makes no sense to me. And it's funny because we've seen so many, like, you know, women end up being uh, pregnant when being housed with a man in jail. So they're essentially a big victory, you know, for the LGBTQIAA plus community to have this. And, uh, you know, it makes no sense whatsoever I mean, there's no science behind this at all to say that this should be that that uh, gender dysphoria is a actual disability, you know, up there with like being in a wheelchair or something like that. And it's now been made even worse with Biden's new Title IX rules. So this entire thing is just getting out of control. No, it really is. And it, you know, it has, we'll get back to the Disability Act here in a second, but I want to look at something that, you know, is, is happening here and playing out right before our eyes, which is two democratic, traditionally democratic political, I would say bastions, right? Feminists and trans activists. And right now, you know, we have seen the polling data where Republicans enjoyed a three or 4% advantage in, you know, congressional, you know, districts. And that has closed to, a, to basically a virtual dead heat. And the reason why, I think, Paul, is the Dobbs decision. So you have, you've, you've mobilized a lot of women and saying, you know, keep your rosaries off our ovaries. You, you've managed to sell a lot of women on this idea that Republicans have taken away a constitutional right. And that's, you know, that's playing to the feminist side. But what happens when feminism clashes with trans activism. And, and as you mentioned, with Title IX, that means that essentially women's sports are going to die because you're going to have more people like uh, Leah Thomas just dominating women's sports, taking advantage of the scholarship opportunities because Title IX protects that, right? But also, you know, things like bathrooms, you know, that, that's a big one that is protected under Title IX at universities. And, and as we've seen, it's been a big thing in high schools and things like that. You remember the case last year where 
a woman went into the, I think it's called the M Spa in Los Angeles with her daughter, her young daughter. And a dude walked in there and basically took off his pants and exposed his penis to this little girl and the mom. The mom goes out apoplectic, starts screaming at the staff going, how can you allow this? And they're like, well, it's his gender identity. So protests resulted, feminists rallied to the cause, and they were quite literally beaten down by Antifa. When, when Antifa learned of the rally, they went out on their Twitter network and said, hey, direct action, we've got we've to defend you know, these TERFs. That's the, that's the term du jour. They use it to describe any woman that you know, criticized transgenderism. I think it, it's T-E-R-F, trans something female. I don't, I don't know what TERF stands for, but it's basically any woman that's calling us out, you know, for, for being sexual deviants and, and wanting to undress in front of young girls. So, Antif- so Antifa's, they're, they're standing up for the disabled, right? Because obviously now the trans are disabled. Well, they're standing up for their freak brethren, yes. Okay. And in that case in Los Angeles, there was violence. Well, this past week, in a, in a small town in Washington State called Port Townsend, there was a similar rally. There, were, there was an 80-year-old woman who was at the YMCA, and she was swimming at the YMCA, and a guy started showering in the I guess community showers there, penis fully exposed. This 80-year-old woman goes out and complains, and essentially they ban her from the YMCA. So the feminists rallied around and they had a But that's uh but the YMCA is a Christian organization, right? I mean that's it used to be. Although it is called the Young Man Men's Christian Association. So maybe, maybe uh, you know, young men have a right, special right now in the ladies' bathroom. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, this, this whole thing, you know, this whole conflict that we have in our society is political correctness, maybe, but it's run amok. I mean, it's basically let's do not, women cannot open their mouth to try to criticize the unabated, unchecked, you know, sexual deviance, deviancy of men. Their pleasure is all that matters so you shut the hell up. And I want to play this. This is from the rally outside the YMCA where a feminist group wanted to support this woman and, and get the YMCA to realize the errors of the way. Listen to this. You may have read some version of my personal experience. A naked old lady in the women's shower room and what I saw that day. Wendy Bart, CEO of the YMCA, told me Pride posters are adequate to let people know, women know, what to expect. In the shower room, known for 60 years as a female only, one will now encounter men who identify as women undressing and showering with female humans. I object. I don't want to be forced to the shower and yes, with the opposite sex present. I wish the police were here to help keep uh, everybody in order. 
I mean, was that a Nazi thing going on in the 1940s? That, I mean, that reminded me of didn't didn't the Nazis or the or maybe it was the brown shirts? I don't remember during. It's the brown shirts. Didn't they beat up like little old Jewish ladies in the streets or something like that in the in uh, the 1930s? Yeah, they they did. And and these listen, the brown shirts are here in America. Okay, if you oppose this ideology. You will be labeled a bigot, of course. And, and by the way, this woman, her name is Julie Jamin. And um, you can see this video, Redux Mag, um, at Redux, R-E-D-U-X-X Mag, has this under the hashtag, let Julie swim. When she said, are we going to get beat up here? They, you did, Off screen, if you go to that hashtag, you may see some of the footage. But some of these women who were in their 60s, I mean, Julie's 80 were getting thrown to the ground by burly, not not just, you know, the soy bros, but also they had some big dudes out there that were essentially... Like John Fetterman? Fetterman-esque. Yeah, Fetterman-esque. He was out there beating up old women. Yeah, but younger and, and stronger, actually. Okay. Now, if you watch the full clip, and again, hashtag let Julie swim, you will see that, you know, the police aren't really doing very much, Right. And there were allegations after the fact, like the police were called off. This is a little bit reminiscent of nearby Portland, okay? Another bastion of Antifa. Here's a tweet from the mayor. What an incredible night. The port towns and communities showed up in huge and beautiful fashion to say that hate has no place here. <laughs> tra tra trans and cis allies alike spoke love and support, which I know you just heard on that clip. And the only turf speaker was from out of town. Tonight reminded me why Port Townsend is home. That's the mayor. That's the boss of the police department. So if you are an elderly woman, you better stay out of Port Townsend because their brown shirts are coming for you. If you are a woman, period, who thinks that it's wrong for men to show you their penis with impunity, then you better not go to Port Townsend or you're going to get your ass kicked. That is scary. You want to know what else is scary? Is this uh, Biden Title IX thing for in education with kids? We talked a little bit about it, but did you know that this new Title IX rule is going to allow, uh, essentially going to be used to, to uh, subvert all of these local rules, like the one in Florida, parental rights and education? Essentially, Title IX is going to threaten schools that don't essentially keep parents in the dark while uh, teaching them about transgenderism. Uh, did you know that they don't have to seek, under Title IX with this new law, schools don't have to seek parental permission for children to participate in lessons on choosing and changing one sex? <laughs> so if you do a parental opt-out, schools can ignore that. Um, and if they don't ignore it, they can lose their Title IX funding for being seen as discriminatory. So they're grooming these young kids to become A, trans, and B, if they're not trans, uh, Antifa brown shirts. Yeah. Um, and and the, word, the word that they like to use is, let's explore our, explore our gender identities 
and you know your gender journey. These are the words that they use when they groom people. Make no mistake, there are other social factors at work. You know, TikTok is a big one. The Chinese would like nothing more than to see our society collapse. They're over there in China, and they're promo- they won't even allow effeminate men on TV. You know, they're trying to get their birth rate up. We're destroying ours here. But, you know, there are others, you know, there's TikTok, there's other things. But yes, the teachers are absolutely doing it. And not only that, and this is a Western phenomenon, not so much Western Europe, because there is a backlash in Europe against this. Except London. London seems to be on the same. Yeah, but even the UK, the UK just shut down their, their the one clinic that was performing, you know, mutilation surgeries on young girls. The UK shut that down, whereas here there's a, lo- a number of hospitals. Uh, this week, you know, the Matt Walsh show and and other conservatives came out because it was revealed that Boston Children's Hospital, a widely respected institution, had a b- number of videos on their website bragging about these surgeries that they were doing on kids. And uh, you know, the left has circled the wagons and and tried to get people and successfully has had people banned from social media. But we all have to, whether you have kids or not, if you are a sane American, which seems like about, there's about 40% of us left, we have to fight this with every fiber of our being because it's clear that the Biden administration and the left and, and, the, and the leftists, communists, whatever you want to call them, they're coming for your kids. We saw in Canada uh, the case of that one individual whose ex-wife wanted a Gucci handbag that was non-binary and was promoting their daughter to have these surgeries. This guy objected. You know, when you have, when you're divorced, and and I know about this, uh, good thing you don't, but when you when you have legal custody, half, you know, you, you can't just have a medical procedure on your kid without the other parent agreeing. But in Canada, this guy disagreed, and uh, he called his daughter a girl. I'm not making this up. They threw him in jail, Paul. This whole thing, I mean, how is this any different than like the gender, the mutilation, the gender mutilation that goes on in Africa? You know, wasn't that supposed to be some huge crisis that was done to young girls? Muslim girls, yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah, and we're doing it here. Clitoral, you know, basically cutting off the clitoris of young girls. Um, We are doing that in the United States. And let me, I'm going to give, so... The tweet of the week, one of the best, I think one of the the greatest Americans right now is Christopher Ruffo. Christopher Ruffo from the Manhattan Institute, City Journal. Uh, He has written books. He has crusaded against critical race theory and this gender theory. Here's his tweet, and and everybody should be following him, at Real Chris Ruffo, R-U-F-O. So good for educating. Here's the tweet of the week. Wow. Parents have filed a lawsuit alleging that a public school in Florida, quote, transitioned their 12-year-old daughter while keeping it a secret from them. The daughter then attempted suicide in a school bathroom. This is, quote, gender-affirming school policy. You mentioned Florida. We've got a great governor down there who has fought for parents' rights, who has fought for these kids. Um, but this happened in a place called Cook County. Cook County, for those that are paying attention, is where about a month ago, a parent school stood up at a school board meeting. This is just south of Jacksonville, I believe. 
Is it Cook County or Clay County? Yeah, I think it's Clay. Cook County is... Clay County. I would expect it in Cook County, which is Chicago. That I would expect these kinds of things to happen daily. But I apologize. Clay County, Florida, which is just south of Jacksonville, southwest of there. A guy stood up at a school board meeting and said, I'm going to read you this book that I just found in, my kids, on, in the kids' library. If you have kids that are watching this, cover your ears. And the superintendent says, I'm going to stop you right there, kill his mic. We have laws against reading pornography, et cetera, et cetera. He said, oh, okay, but you, but you can have it in my kid's library? So same place. Now, let me read you from this law. What did the school board people say? Did they like, were they like, well, okay, it's all right? Or no. did they, try to, did they, they have the guy dragged out? And they had him dragged out. They had him dragged out. I don't know if the FBI, you know, opened a case on the guy, probably. But this suit, which was filed in the Middle District in Florida against Clay County School Superintendent and three officials from Patterson Elementary School, alleges that the school counselor engaged in secret therapy sessions with this child over the course of several months regarding the kid's distress over being bullied and her confusion about her gender. Patterson Elementary is located in a, in a place called Fleming Island. The suit claims that the counselor breached the kid's privacy by purporting to tell other teachers and students about her new male name and gender identity without the child's knowledge or approval and without informing her parents. So this young girl now has other kids that go, oh, your name is now Spike, huh? So the kid, you know, she confides in this counselor, didn't confide in her parents, but the counselor didn't tell the parents. And... The parents did not even know about these counseling sessions and the school's concealed attempts to transition her to a new gender until January 5th of this year when they were called in because of her second suicide attempt. Well, I think, I mean, it's, that's title, I mean, they're just following title nine, those counselors. I mean, you're, I mean, I think if, you know, you're supposed to transition children without telling parents, according to title nine, that seems to be what they're directing these school people to do and they don't want to lose their federal funding right well this this predates the title IX thing okay but this is this is a taste of what we're going to see on a larger scale this is in florida and if you if you're following you know libs of tiktok which you should be another great twitter feed and instagram feed at libs of tiktok there are teachers on there every day I mean, this is not people making stuff up. They're merely showing what teachers are posting themselves on TikTok, and they are bragging about grooming your kids. And basically, they consider a lot of us a threat to these children. And so because of that, they say, oh, you know, you don't live in a safe household, so let's, let's keep this our little secret. Well, not only that, what's going to keep them from calling Child Protective Services if the parents refuse to call them by their uh, preferred pronoun. Because according to Title IX, the parents could have uh, be emotionally damaging the kids uh, in a discriminatory household, and they could theoretically have the children or the child taken away from their parents and be raised by the state. It which, I mean, that I think that's the goal anyway of uh, the progressives. It may, it may already be happening because, you know, we saw the guy in Canada get arrested for calling his daughter a girl. In the UK, a couple months ago, there were, or last month, I believe, an individual was arrested for his social media posts, which did not acknowledge 
uh, somebody's gender identity. And before we came on today, you were sharing an article with me where uh, in an op-ed talking about this issue, there was somebody said that this had already happened in California where CPS was called in and they took a kid away from a father and he didn't get the kid back until he signed a pledge saying he would only use the kid's preferred gender identity. Now, we could not verify that independently, so so uh, we don't know if that actually happened, but it's coming, Paul. It absolutely is. Well, it's it's the socialist utopia, isn't it great? This thing with the brown shirts, the rewriting of the dictionary, the rewriting of the words, this is all part of their plan. You know, they've, they've torn down our universities. They've turned those into indoctrination centers. The one place they got to get to is the family. And so by doing this, they're destroying the last bastion of our society. And the Biden administration, with this Title IX thing and the Americans with Disabilities Act, they are they are playing party to it. Well, they are. They are. I mean, it's essentially, you know how in the military, I mean, we're both veterans, went through boot camp. You know, they got to break you down to like really get you into the military mindset of what it means to be in the military and following orders. They're doing the same thing here. They're trying to break down all norms so that they can mold children in the image of the communist socialist utopia. Parents stand in the way of that because parents represent things that they don't agree with. So if you can turn kids against their parents, completely break them down emotionally, uh, including with who they are and their gender, you can then brainwash them with socialist ideology. And that's what's happening. And that's why they're attacking parents. That's why the FBI was called in to basically consider these guys domestic terrorists. So, you know, our, our hope is that all of you go out and vote. Send them a message like the people in Virginia and the people in New Jersey did last year. We've got to do this nationally, defeat every Democrat on the ballot. I don't normally say that because there are some good Democrats out there, but they need to be rejected resoundingly. And parents, you've got to, A, get your kids out of public schools, number one, but B, just vote accordingly. And we this won't happen if we outnumber them. I mean, you know, two dozen Antifa show up to beat up 20 old ladies. Uh, how about 200 of us, um, you know, alpha males show up and form a wall and protect these people's First Amendment rights? Final thoughts, Paul? Be, stay safe from the clade and uh, don't <laughs> don't don't go attacking any any monkeys out there. Okay, don't don't be mean to monkeys. They're they're great. They're our friends. So just you know, I don't know. Maybe there's some clades out there we can attack now. But just to keep the keep the monkeys safe. We we talked about doing a ring to protect them, but let's do that with the monkeys. Yep. I hope you have a great weekend. You have it made in the shade. Try to avoid the clade. If you enjoy our show, please tell a friend about it. Give us a five-star rating. We're on YouTube, the Midnight Ride Podcast. But uh, if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, please give us a five-star rating and tell a friend. I have a great show this week. We look forward to seeing you again next week on the Midnight Ride Podcast with Paul Runyon. I'm Connor Coughlin. Thank you. Have a great week. <laughs>